Welcome to Shovel Talk, a podcast for economic developers. From your friends at the Golden Shovel Agency. Hello, Darren Barley back here to welcome you to another episode of Shovel Talk. This um, this episode, we're very excited to welcome Bob Alfeld to the conversation. Bob is a business development specialist at St. Lawrence County Industrial Development Agency in upstate New York. And um, him and Bethany have a very great conversation talking a lot about the uh, connection to the Canadian market, as well as some great stories about his days as a hockey broadcaster. So we're excited for you to meet Bob, and I'm going to pass it off to Bethany for our latest edition of Shovel Talk. All right. Well, this is Bethany Quinn, and I am so excited to be here today with what I imagine will be my newest friend when we're done, Bob Alfeld. (laughs) He is from Lawrence County IDA and has an incredibly interesting background that I'm hoping we can explore for a bit. So, Bob, welcome. Thank you very much, Bethany. How are you today? Oh, I'm very well. It is a bright and beautiful sunny day, and that makes everything better. Well, it's been, uh, we had frost here yesterday. We're a bit north. So if you're a golfer and the PGA championship is being held about three and a half hours south of us at Oak Hill in Rochester, New York, they had a frost delay. So we had frost last night as well. Wow. Well, it it does make a big difference, I guess, just a few hours. I'm in Maryland. So the mid-Atlantic is is quite a bit different than where you are in New York. We're very, very, very upstate New York. The familiar, uh, to give you an idea, you know, athletically, uh, Syracuse is a big basketball, football schoolwork, about three hours north of them. Okay. Um, our county is located on the St. Lawrence River. Um, we straddle the St. Lawrence River and the Adirondack Mountains, very close proximity to uh, Canada. Uh, mm-hmm. but I grew up in a town called Messina, which is right on the river. Growing up prior to 9-11 and all that other hubbub. Uh, going across the border was a weekly occurrence, uh, athletically or even shopping or anything like that. So it's a the communities on both sides of the river, you know, depending where the, the, the bridge crossings are, are, very coexist very nicely. And actually, that's that's an interesting segue because I did want to ask you later on in this podcast about your relationship as you see it, working with Canadian partners. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's. So we might as well jump to that now, right? Sure, if you want to. It's a very unique position uh, to be so close to one of our strongest trading partners. Yes. One of the ways we attract, uh, there's two bridge crossings uh, in St. Lawrence County in Messina and Ogdensburg. Messina would be an industrial hub, more so than Ogdensburg has some industry. Messina has some heavy industry. But our advantage is say, a company in Ottawa, like I'm in Canton, New York, which is the county seat currently, I can get to Ottawa in probably an hour and 10 minutes, even even with a bridge crossing. So uh, a company in Ottawa or that part of Ontario, if they're looking for a U.S. presence, Mm -hmm. can have their headquarters in Ottawa and maybe set up a satellite operation here somewhere in St. Lawrence County and be home, you know, come down once a week and be home at night. So, so they have a U.S. presence, you know, it's an easy bridge crossing. You don't have to, you know, traveling too far. So th- that's one of the things we try and pitch a lot with, with companies that are looking to, we're looking to attract. Yeah, that's interesting because you don't have to move your executives. In exactly. That that's the, that's the, but we're heading up next week to talk to two companies who are thinking of 
expanding and there's other ways too we 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 can help um you know if you're looking even for um for uh distribution you know you want to ship your product here and then get it out via the states it's a little easier than going through all the customs would be easier to go across the bridge than say to go through detroit or having to fly it as an example so you can ship it down here we have some facilities you can use and then you can truck it Probably if you're going to the Midwest, you wouldn't use us, mm-hmm. you know, but if you're going to hit a Northeast market, New York City, Boston, eh, it depends on how you drive six or seven hours from there as, as a drive. So it's not, I mean, it's not, it's a day, but it's not, you know, a lifetime. Well, and you said the border crossing is really convenient. Correct. Yeah. More so than th- those that have crossed, um, the, the, there's the, the the Peace Bridge in Buffalo is an v- extremely busy bridge. Um Buffalo Niagara, that's way more heavily trafficked than our two bridges. I mean, there's we have traffic, but you know, if you have 10, 12 cars, that's a lot. I mean, depends on the time of day you go across, but for the most part, it's a much easier uh, straddle than it is going across down down Buffalo Way. That makes sense. And obviously that's a huge advantage when you're trying to move products quickly. Okay. Same and the same holds true, Bethany. I'm sorry. If 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 you want to export it to Canada. Same prop, same solution for you is, you know, we are between, we're four hours from Toronto, uh, hour and a half from Montreal, an hour to Ottawa. You're talking about 70% of the Canadian market is within that mm-hmm. corridor. And there's a, their interstate highway 401 connects Toronto, Detroit, up to Montreal. And it's all on, it's a rather fun drive. Uh, I say that lightly because it, it it's a it's a bit of an adventure speed wise <laughs> they tend to drive a little faster over there um but uh it, i have it, not it, driven in canada so okay. how, how what is the speed limit i don't even know well 100 kilometers but that's a suggestion got it <laughs> as long as the semi trucks aren't driving that fast then we're semi trucks are a bit different but it, it, it's that that is a heavy that probably more so if you're you're down in Baltimore, I would make it a, a, akin to uh, 95. Sure. For, for Canada, it's their it's their artery. I mean, it, it's certainly for for market to go from there. There's there's rail as well, and there's shipping also, which we can get to with, with what we have in our county as well. But for the most part, I mean, the, the highway is a, is a is a major. So if you want to export. And you don't want to be in Canada, but you can set up probably in Messina or Augsburg in our county. And then, you know, depending on what product you want to export, get it over there. I, that was actually what I was going to ask you is whether or not you were working with local businesses in your community to help them start exporting. We do. Um, I mean, and most of them, the ones that do, do. I mean, there's, you know, it's been a long history of trade between the, the two entities. No, I mean, if you're new and want to want to help, yeah, we, we can help with that as well. Um, you know, I, I think 30 years ago, it may have been a bit more onerous to do. So I think it's e- shipping's easier now you know, with the Amazons and everything, every other logistical entity that's out there. But yeah, we, we assist our local businesses exporting as well. And, and our, our we work with New York State Economic, uh, Empire State Development, their economic development office closely to you know, assist companies within the state that if they want to come up here. We like to have more up here, sure. obviously, but but we, we and do. Hence your role, right? 
Yeah, that's that's what we're all trying to do is we're trying to get, you know, we are the economic development arm for the county. Um, so any business that's able to increase their operations and increase their employment levels is great. And not just not just attracting them to come here, but to help them expand their operations also. Yeah. And again, you're very well situated to do that. So that's yes. fantastic. Yeah. It's it's a unique county. It's um, our, our sectors are you know manufacturing, agriculture, uh, finance, um, renewables are big. Um, education. We have five colleges here for a county of a hundred thousand. You have five. We have five. Yes. We wow. Have. Okay. Um, within Canton and Potsdam, and I'm in Canton. There's two here: uh, SUNY Canton and St. Lawrence University, and then over in Potsdam is SUNY Potsdam and Clarkson University. So there's each has around between two and three thousand students each. So okay. Okay. so we we import twelve to thirteen thousand eighteen to twenty four year olds and then we export them, you know. <laughs> which well, and hopefully keep some of them to enter your workforce, right? We, we'd love to keep more. You know, that that's one of our challenges is some of the for some of them, there's there aren't jobs here. And and um that, that that's the challenge for us is to find, you know, to, f- to find the right link for them. For example, uh, uh, Clarkson's heavily tech engineering. It'd be um, uh, RPI, RIT, um, MIT, WPI. It's one of those kind of schools. Um, so, you know, if you have a, a mechanical aeronautical engineering major, there's not a lot here for that particular student. That being said, there are a lot of civil going on up here, sure. but there's also civil going on more so in Baltimore than there is, <laughs> as you, I'm sure you're 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 well aware of in Maryland. Um, right. There's a little bit of engineering going on down there. Just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But but the four schools, if you did a Venn diagram of the four universities, it'd be a very small subset of kids that would go to all four, discounting mm-hmm. an athletic. Uh, a student wants to maybe maybe college soccer, but or or basketball or something like that. But generally, like it's SLU is is liberal arts. Um, it's sort of like one of the a little Ivy in a lot of ways. Uh, Clarkson mentioned heavily tech and engineering. SUNY Canton has grown to a four year institution from a JUCO. They catch a lot of kids that maybe aren't a little more hands on. And then uh, Potsdam State is um, is an education institution like. The SUNY system in New York, it isn't like Maryland or, um, you know, where there's one major university. There is almost 60 colleges and universities around that make up the whole SUNY system. SUNY Potsdam, generally, they're, most of their students are going to become teachers. Oh, interesting. Um, in fact, if you're into opera and the arts, the Crane School of Music is a world-renowned institution. So if you're a in New York State, if you get a music teacher, they were probably trained at Crane. Hmm. Um, if you're into opera, as an example, uh, I'm not personally, but Renee Fleming, who's a world-famous opera singer, is a SUNY Potsdam alumna. Interesting. Okay. So, Well, to me, that speaks to a wide diversity of talent, though, that is available within your area. So when you're recruiting businesses, I could see that being a strong advantage. Yes. You know, when you're looking for R&D, especially for a, a manufacturing company, we can look at Clarkson. 
you can look at there and SUNY Canton for those kind of workers. You know, I, I, th- I think every area of the country right now is struggling workforce-wise, uh, training the workforce. We are trying to help with that um, in a lot of ways. Our secondary schools, our high schools have a, a, a called BOCES, and we're lo- working with them almost weekly now to try and introduce the local businesses to the kids that are in BOCES. And you mentioned colleges, and, you know, there's going to be a, I don't say a reckoning, but certainly, a, you know, is a four-year degree useful for everybody? Sure. You know, and it's coming up. On our end, you know, it's a major economic driver. I mean, you're talking each of the colleges employs over 500 people. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the same time, you know, in 10 years, will those four schools be the same as they are now? And I think the ones that are able to find a way to be forward thinking at the, 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 maybe the four-year degree you and I got, um, I was a journalism major. Some of those majors are going to go away. Sure. And, and trying to find where you're going to be in 10 years, 15 years as a four-year institution of higher learning is, is going to be key. At the same time is, you know, we have a right now problem of we, the county and we, the state and we, the country have a right now problem of, you know, there's jobs available and we need people to do these things. You know, the, there's got to be a, a, a student that can dig a ditch with, with a backhoe. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a high, high demand skill right now. Well, and we're seeing that throughout the country are things mm-hmm. like the trades, which are so critical to developing our infrastructure and even the expansion of industry yeah. are in short supply. We just don't have people filling those needs. Do you have training programs for the trades locally, or is it something that you're exploring? We we work with, I mentioned the BOCES, um, before I came on board, started like maybe three or four months before I started in 2021, we're working with SUNY Canton. Um, they have a CDLA training program. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, Bethany wants to become a CDLA driver. We can get help with a half half and half grant it's worked so well in some cases that some of the businesses have maybe put up for you, you know, you, you know, if golden shovel wanted you to like get your CDLA, maybe they put up the money or half the money and you put up the rest. It, it's a, it's a double-edged sword, but golden shovel puts you up and gets you a CDLA. And then all of a sudden you're more marketable. So you can go to right. you know somebody else for more money because now you have a CDLA. Right. <laughs> so, so the, but 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 I mean the the idea is we at the IDA have started that program that has spawned a heavy equipment operator program. Uh, we're looking into fiber splicing as well. Okay. Most certainly, expanding broadband is a big deal, and and that's probably the next step for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we partner with the institutions. Not we don't we don't have an expert. We have a seven person staff here, so. We find the institution that and, and get the grants and talk to like the heavy equipment operators. One of our one of my coworkers sat down with the town supervisors. There's 30 towns in the county, but mm-hmm. their executive board and said, Hey, what do you guys need? And they said, Well, we we all need someone to drive a backhoe. Sure. So, and there's a way that, you know, the, the student that's not gonna get the four-year degree and become a music teacher or become an engineer. Here's a job for you, and you're going to have a good career. 
you know, you're going to be, you're going to be paid, you know, you get a skill. Right. So, now, how are you getting students to participate, to sign up? Because that is actually one of the larger struggles that I'm seeing across the board is economic development organizations are starting to do a really good job of working with their workforce training partners like you yes. are, but it's not always easy to get the students interested. So what is, what has been your formula? Well, the, it uh, wasn't our formula, the, the, the BOCES program, they have now, there's three, our county's vast. We, we, give you an idea, our county is in the land area larger than Rhode Island. Oh, wow. We have 100,000 people, a little over 100,000. So the three BOCES centers for the divvying up the, the 20 high schools around, they're all getting waiting lists now because I think kids are starting to see that, you know, and not every student is wants to sit and read a book. I, I, not that's not a bad thing. I mean, everyone, everyone should be able to read. But that's not every kid's, you know, success story mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. So the, the BOCES programs, I think, are really – it's it's been – I have an uncle who, who graduated in the 70s from BOCES and ended up running his own tool and die shop in Rochester, New York. Mm-hmm. He went to a tool and die maker, ended up taking over the company, you know. Oh, nice. And he, he started work, graduated on a Saturday, was down there on a Monday. In wow. from from Messina to Rochester and, and he's now 64 retired very happy sure. you know and he's the kind of kid that wasn't gonna sit in a class for four years um mm-hmm. and and very hugely successful the, the BOCES programs have been around for all this time I, I think they're finally with our help as well but they're finally starting to promote themselves within mm-hmm. to, to to the it's it's part of the curriculum at all the schools, but I think there was there was a time when the BOCES programs up here, it was for the kids who couldn't, you know, oh, they're going to BOCES. Well, well, now it's like kids are starting to see that hey, he's going to BOCES. It became cool. Well, a, a great example of this is my, my, both of my sons play play hockey. One's in college right now, and one in high school. They had a preseason scrimmage this year in November. And at our rank in Canton, the, between the third and fourth games, the Zamboni broke down. Hmm. And, and there was a weld that had to be done. One of my son's teammates was in the welding program at Post. He sent his mom home to get his welding equipment, and he welded the Zamboni back together. Oh, my and goodness. And they were able to play the rest of the day. They had to show wow, what a cool story. Yeah. To his credit, my son, JJ's hockey coach, looked at Bowen, the young man that was the welder, and said, hey, some of you guys pick on the BOCES kids. Well, this is what the BOCES student just did. You right. Know, Made it so you could play. Yeah. Yeah. Bowen's going to graduate this year and already has a job somewhere around here uh, as a welder. He'll do incredibly well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Ah, so those are really good stories. And I think that's part of the key is students being able to see other students experience yeah. success, actually mm-hmm. get into their career and enjoy their experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for for everywhere, whether you're you know in the Midwest or Texas or anywhere in in the U.S. right now, if you have that kind of skill, you're going to get a job. Um, I mentioned the BOCES. You know, one of their big they also have a nursing program, and obviously that is a need as well. You know, a, a visiting nurse can make three four hundred thousand a year if they market themselves well. Sure, uh, but there's a lot of opportunity there, and I think that's the point. And you know, across the board, we're starting to look at 
pathways to careers a little bit differently Mm -hmm. and recognizing that not everyone is the same. And it's really important to match people's aptitudes and interests with the pathway that'll get them to the job they'll actually enjoy. And there's a, there's a demographic challenge too. Again, I mentioned my son, JJ, he's uh, born in 2007. You know, the next, the 07s, 08s, 09s, that was the the last major recession. There's a birth dearth coming. Mm -hmm. So so I mentioned the colleges, they're going to struggle with that because all the colleges need fresh 18 year olds. There's Mm going to be a lack of them compared to what's coming on the backside. So there'll be be a bit of a dip for for three or four years because of the recession. So that's going to carry through 15 years from now. Who's going to work? Maybe I'll be retired by then. I don't know, but uh. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Yeah, um, I have an 07 year, 07 boy too. So maybe on the plus side for our families, they'll get more scholarships, right? I don't know. That's that. That's the one. You, you know, we talk about the, one of the challenges I think for higher education is you're going to find some of the smaller liberal arts schools are going to have some problems filling seats. And, sure. and, you know, your college is expensive and it's not getting any cheaper. Not. I know. Hey, I did want to ask you about one of your target industries because it, it looked like you're experiencing high growth in the renewable sector. We are. What have you done to attract that? Well, the state, you know, uh, has a mandate to get, you know, to go completely green by 2030 or get, mm-hmm. get to that pathway. So agriculture and the dairy industry is big up here. Uh, we're the second or third largest county dairy production-wise. Uh, the dairy producers are now kind of either going big or going home, so they're consolidating. But there's a lot of land available, and since the state wants renewables, we're getting a lot of solar interest. So that that's and it's it's both uh, um, residential and commercial scale. Um, mm-hmm. Commercial is just starting to really get. There's one big project likely to happen just south of us. The river, so the St. Lawrence River connects the Great Lakes to the Atlantic. We have locks here that help the ships go through. You know, so you if you're on the Great Lakes, you see a laker that's over a thousand feet wide. The locks were built in 1958. So I think it's 760 feet is the maximum um, length of a, of a boat that can get through the locks. The Lakers can't get out to the Netherlands at the ship to another smaller ship to get it out. But it's a quite a, along with building the seaway system for shipping, we built the power dam. So the Moses Saunders power dam connects Canada and the U.S. Mm-hmm. There's 32 turbines that go, that feed it. Ontario uses 16. We use 16. It produces over a thousand megawatts a year. So with the renewable interest um, and we have hydro as renewable, though more so the government seems to be pushing wind and solar, but renewable has been around since, well, a long time. Sure. Our county in the village of Messina, uh, there's a Air Products has announced the intention to set up shop in, in Messina. Hmm. That came around July. With that and with the passing of the Inflation Reduction Act, we're getting slammed <laughs> with interest. You know, some of them are, you know, Bethany, Bob, and Steve have a couple pops at the pub and say, let's try and take advantage of some Rex credits and get a hydrogen facility in, you know, we've never done it before, but we're going to make some money and get out of there. Sure. <laughs> Others are a little more tangible. That makes sense. So, so air products is 
promising 90 jobs uh, if they start as hydrogen production. So yeah, we are getting a lot of interest, a lot of interest in, in that in that space, uh, whether it's hydrogen production, um, so maybe some ammonia, um, uh, the solar is getting bigger around the state. But, but our county, given the, the available land, agricultural land was used for agriculture. It's not being used for agriculture now. So sure. what's, the, what's the landowner to do? Like they're not, you know, maybe they were a family farmer. They didn't get absorbed by one of the bigger dairies. They have this land. It's they want to retire. Dairy is is a is an industry, and mm-hmm. you know it isn't the mom and pop anymore. It's not you know forty cattle, and it's you know you got to be two three thousand to be profitable. Mm-hmm. So what do you do with the land? Uh, should we keep the land agricultural, or should we? But the land, it's landowner's land, right? They can do what they want to do with it, and if right. someone's going to offer you. X amount of money, you know, it's maybe you'd be hard pressed not to take it. Sure. We just got one the other day. As a matter of fact, it's it's very James Bond sounding. It's like Project Pluto or Project Xbox. Burn after you read. Yeah. You know, they're looking for 50 megawatts to 70 megawatts of power, promising, you know, 100 jobs. We're looking for maybe a 500,000, 500 million capex, looking for the right site. In, in land, it's gotta it's gotta have 100 renewable mm-hmm. energy to, to power it. All, all those things. So sure. we had a, a company in in the fall that visited, and we worked closely with the New York Power Authority. The Power Authority is the, the one that gives the power. Uh, we, we I can't just you know you and I Bethany can't just say well you need 90 megawatts get in line. There's a an entire podcast of that to get that process. <laughs> yeah. So there's you know a lot of steps to go through. It, it's an interesting uh, push and pull between the companies and, and how we're doing it. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, and that's common across the board, right, is is how do you bring in these new investments while also preserving who you are and then the community that everyone enjoys and is why they're there. Well, you know, I mentioned that their products, you know, Messina, I grew up there. I was born and raised there. My parents were born born and raised there, too. Both my grandfathers were Alcoa guys, mm-hmm. Alcoa Reynolds and General Motors uh, from Alcoa began in you know, two, and then Reynolds and General Motors, when the power project was completed in 1958, moved there as well. You know, when I was younger, there was almost a little over 7,000 workers in, in Messina. Now, not all of them lived there. Most of them did. Uh, now, Alcoa and Arconic are still alive and well. Alcoa bought Reynolds and then closed that facility. Uh, GM, well, we all know what happened to GM. That plant is just closed; it's gone. There's no, I mean, it's a it's a great parcel of land. Uh, Racer Trust has it right now; they're trying to redevelop it. But um, there's a manufacturing problem. Is is, is it all kind of went down in like the early 2000s? You know, if it happened maybe five years ago, there's still a manufacturing workforce. Sure. Now they're gone. The workforce is what well, there's not. There hasn't been a. I'll go, I'll go work for the union at the mill. And have a great life. So those parts of Messina are still longing for that. They have that back, and you know, one of our jobs that will get it back. But you know, it's there's also the factors of it's good for the environment, and that's where I mentioned the interest in, in the renewables. You know, mm-hmm. maybe a, a window into to, to get them back to some heavy manufacturing. 
Sure. Well, and it sounds like you have opportunities to do that more than in the past, like you said, with the state mandate and the interest. Yes. Yes. Um, our CEO has been here almost 30 years. They were like, we've never seen this much interest. Sure. You, know, you get five leads from Empire State Development a year. It's a good year. We got like 20 in, oh, wow. in six months. And again, wow. some, of them, some of them are all leads are created equal. Some leads right. are more equal than others. <laughs> so some, some are the bar hatched ideas, as you mentioned. Yeah. No, I mean, it's exciting opportunity for you guys regardless. Bob, you mentioned earlier that you are new to economic development and your path to get here. I, I personally found pretty interesting how many other economic developers have actually served as a broadcaster for NCAA Division One hockey. Probably not very many. What was that experience like? Or are you still doing it? I still do it. Yeah. Um, began as a journalism major in radio. It's it's a lot of fun. Some things if you can do as a career, it'd be great. Um, but it does, it's a good entree sometimes to people interested in in in, in sports and a way to get someone to chat. And, and once they may find your background, you're able to maybe get in, in with someone more so than, I mean, you know, you're always looking for the right connection, right? As sure. to how to talk to somebody and being around hockey the way, the way I am, it's an incredibly small world. Like it, it really is, you know, there's someone that knows someone that, you know, I, I, I do the play-by-play for Clarkson University. I've been lucky the past three years to do the um, our league championship, which is the ECAC on, on ESPN plus feeds. It's just a great connector in a lot of ways. Do you play uh, hockey? I did not, believe it or not. I, I grew up in a very hockey-centric town. My father was a basketball coach, mm-hmm. um, and, and I played basketball in high school. But uh, Messina is a, a heavy hockey. Our, our county is a heavy hockey area. Both of my sons play. One's in college now, as I mentioned. One's still a sophomore in high school and playing a lot of hockey. Um, maybe someday he'll play college hockey. Who knows? I don't know what level he'd play. But it's just hockey's a different world in a lot of ways. The connection, even if it's just you've played youth hockey, if you're a youth hockey parent, you know, I'm holding up a Dunkin' Donuts cup right now. You know what a 6 a.m. practice is when it's sure. – 20 below zero. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I want to know what a 6 a.m. practice is like 20 below zero personally, but I'll take your word for that. It's a very small world and a, sure. a wonderful world to be in. You know, I'm still very uh, doing the game for 25 years. Still guys that, were, that are, when I began doing it, I was younger. They're now, I have kids and I'm seeing them with their sons. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. So they bring their kids back and it's, you know, it's a wonderful place to be. It's a hall. It's weekends. It's pretty much every weekend from October to March. Our our league is Friday, Saturday mostly. Once in a while, I have a Tuesday game, but so and it's it's travel. I mean, our, our league is um, well. This coming year, I'll be at Notre Dame. Uh, we're close to Lake Placid. The league we cover has got the six Ivies that play hockey. Mm-hmm. So um, Columbia and Penn don't. And then um, Colgate and Sillers and Clarkson are, are weird animals in that they're Division Three. Well, uh, you're familiar with Johns Hopkins, right? Johns Hopkins has Division like One starting at Hopkins in the fall. Okay, so they have Division One lacrosse. Mm-hmm. but play Division Three every other sport. Clarkson and St. Lawrence have Division One hockey, but play Division Three in every other sport. Okay, so that that's how. We play Michigan's and play um, well, Quinnipiac, who just won the national championship this year, is in our league. Boston University, Boston College, we got out to the west of Denver and uh, North Dakota. So, sure. so we we travel everywhere. Yeah, 
Yeah. You're on the road a lot. And I will tell for all of our listeners who don't live in the East Coast that believe it or not, from what you see on the map, these communities are not within 30 minutes of each other. So yeah. there is a bit of a drive. And I do say that with all due respect, because I get asked that all the time. You know, oh, you can get to Boston like that. No, you cannot get to Boston in an hour from it's, Maryland. It, from here to Boston, I, I, I have a running joke that it's, it's only six hours. It's a over the Adirondacks and over it's... If I wanted to catch a Red Sox game tonight, although I'm a Yankee fan, so I wouldn't go there on purpose, but I could get to Fenway if I left after this podcast is over, or I'd be in, in Boston by five and be at the game. Not that I'm jonesing to do that because <laughs> I'm a Yankee guy. Oh, you should definitely wear your Yankee gear. Oh, well, uh, had I known, I would have. This was video, I'd, I'd have the, the full regalia. Yeah, you'd be well-received. No, some when the Red Sox fans would be would be pelting their screens. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, but but you mentioned the, the I, I think when you're in business development, having another avenue, whether it be the arts or what I'm doing, um, something like that is always a a way to connect. You know, on, on your LinkedIn profile, like it, you know, you reach out to X company and they see what else you've done, and that you never know who you know, right? Mm-hmm. I mean. You know, hey, I see you did play-by-play for Clarkson. Did you know Scott Rickey? Uh, I'm a, kin- a guy in Ottawa who played at Clarkson and does very well in Ottawa. I'm like, yeah, I know him very well. You know, there's also there's your connection, right? And then sure, you're sure. able to, whether it comes to anything or not, you know, it's it's who you know. And then once you're in, well, yeah, I, I met Bob. And, and maybe that company isn't going to come here, but that company is connected with other companies that say, hey, you know, at their mixture, like, you know, you ever talked to anybody in the States? Well, yeah, talk to this guy, Bob, or I was kind of want to talk to him. Sure. And, and then it starts. So that that's how it, so w- again, whether it be, you know, what I'm doing, whether it be arts, whether it be anything, you know, any extracurricular in a lot of ways can really help. Yeah, you need that connector. And before you got into economic development, you were in media sales, correct? I was in media sales, and I also worked at Clarkson um, in fundraising for for a number of years. So when you're talking business development, I've worked on a commission, which is which ain't easy. No, don't do the family. (laughs) No, no, that's one of the reasons they get out of commission work. But but I I understand. You know, each of us, you know, so we know what it's like, like, you know, even if you get to check a box. So just getting to talk to somebody you sure. know, helps their numbers. And I'm not saying that you're doing it just to do that. You never know what the matter is going to lead to. But whether it be media sales or or fundraising or this kind of business development, it is connections. There's always a, a an old media strategy is there's radio sales. Basically, you know, you, people buy from those they know, like and trust. Sure. And if, you know, they know they like you and hopefully they trust you, you're turning over a thousand rocks for two gems. Mm-hmm. But the rocks that aren't turned over, if they're treated right, might help you lead to a gem. Right. Absolutely. And with economic development, it's the long sale, too, which is so totally different. You know, mm-hmm. you're not going to sell a project usually in a couple months. I mean, you could be working on a project for three to five years. Things are escalating faster than what I've seen historically. But still, I mean, those relationship building skills are critical. Well, you know, you're, you're talking if, if you're bringing in a, a capex of 500000 and want to start even, you know, 30 employees, you know, it, 
where are you going to go? What do you, how do you want to build it? You know, where is it going to be? You know, have you talked to the state about, you know, I want this spot here. So it's great. But is that, are there wetlands there? You know, just little things like that. Those things don't happen in, in a week and a half. Yeah, not by any means. So you do have to continue to maintain that relationship. And and uh, like you said, maybe in your case, some of it's through hockey, which is pretty so cool. It very well could be, yeah. Well, hey, Bob, I just realized we've, we've been having such a good conversation, what time it is, and we still need to do our shovel toss game. Okay. Okay. So just a recap for anyone who has not listened to our podcast before. That means I am going to pepper Bob with some rather odd questions, absolutely unrelated in any way to economic development. And Bob's going to answer as fast as he possibly can. Okay. Okay. You good? All right. What is the funniest thing that's happened to you while broadcasting hockey? My second year in Wisconsin, I was with a broadcast booth of a tournament, and I had three guys who were completely hammered in front of me, and 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 they were they were completely hammered. Did they make it on air? That's the question. Well, I was having to turn on my crowd mic, so I was younger, and I got a bit. I went to commercial break, and I finally got a bit angry, and I was like. You know what? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. On Mo- what do you guys do for a living? Oh, we're bankers. I'll tell you what. On Monday, I'm going to sit in your office, drink a six-pack, and scream at you for an hour and a half. How would you guys feel? And they stood up, and they're both like all like 6'4". And I'm like 5'8". I'm like, I'm done. I'm, like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not making it out of here. Yeah. But the funny part was, was we had to play the next night, and Wisconsin was playing the championship. We had, Wisconsin was beating Clarkson. So the guy who was the most vociferous had his wife with him that time and and she kind of points at me as my bracket was over and she goes i apologize about him last night i heard he was kind of an idiot oh wow i was like oh okay like all right well apparently i'm making it out of wisconsin i I thought i was i thought i was gonna get thrown on the stairs yeah favorite band probably original van halen all right that's a good one favorite vacation destination I, I, I really haven't done a destination in a long time. Somewhere with with, with uh, access to golf courses and a beach. All right. Uh, the book you are reading right now. Um, Theodore Rex about Teddy Roosevelt. Something you wish you had never worn. I think in like junior high, I wore a, a goofy cowboy shirt one day and got razzed deservedly for the day. So, that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah, my horror stories are all from middle school, too. So I think that might be a rite of passage. Yeah, yeah. All right. The weirdest food you've ever eaten? Um, Vietnamese food. Your role model? Probably my father. Funniest nickname? The reason my dad called me Bummer for a lot of years. The reason <laughs> I was lazy. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, that is a funny one. Okay. If you were a superhero, who would you be and why? I guess I, I I guess Superman kind of covers the whole gamut. Sounds good. And last but not least, what do you want to be remembered for? That that I cared. I guess cared about how you were treated, how things went, how you know whether this it was successful or not. That that we cared enough to try. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I think that goes back to your relationship building. What you were yeah. talking for. Very cool. 
Well, Bob, I really enjoyed our time together. And like I said at the beginning, hopefully we are now fast friends. Yes. Um, more about your hockey history. <laughs> and I really also enjoyed being able to learn more about Lawrence County and your connectivity to Canada and some of the opportunities you're seeing in the renewable sector. It's really interesting because I feel like there's a lot of uh, misperceptions in regards to New York State holistically, right? People tend to identify Manhattan. So to have you be able to share your story, talk about you're still very heavy agriculture, still desire for manufacturing, it's just a very uh, different lens to take. Yeah, and we're, we're again, it's the joke about New York is you know it's it, it ends in you know Poughkeepsie, which is still four and a half five hours from here. You know, there's a lot of a lot of state up here, and, and there's a lot of great areas of New York state to live, you know, Western New York, Central. I mean, all of them are terrific. You know, we have the Adirondacks, we have the Olympics in Lake Placid, you know, where we, I'm an hour, 20 minutes from Lake Placid. I don't ski, but if you want to ski, you can go there. So it, it's, a, it's a great state in a lot of ways. Uh, it takes its lumps sometimes. And some of them, some of the lumps we earned ourselves, some of them, you know, are, are, are forced upon us, but I think it's it's a great place to live. And hopefully after this conversation, more of our listeners have a better understanding of what what New York is like on the whole as well. We're not just we're not just Long Island of New York City, which right. are, you know, and if you want that, that's the beauty of it. you want that kind of life. It's a great place to be, too. It's an interesting place to be. I, I, another working at Clarkson, I had to meet uh, an alumnus Manhattan down by Madison Square Garden. We had coffee at nine in the morning and I was back from my kids hockey game at six at night <laughs> oh yeah that's great and such a huge difference too oh yeah yeah it's a it's definitely a cultural difference well Bob yeah. thank you again so much it was a pleasure and I wish you well in Lawrence County thank you very much thank you for that Bethany before we sign off today, I do want to let you know that Golden Shovel is growing again. We have added Brady Moeller as a marketing coordinator, and we've added two new members to our content team, Joseph Weidenhofer and also Sabrina Williamson. So we're excited to keep growing. Um, if you do want to check out more about these new additions to the team, please check out goldenshovelagency.com and also check out our jobs page. We've always got openings um, listed on our jobs page. Also, one thing I do want to give you a reminder of if you are a Golden Shovel client, um, you probably have been receiving um, emails um, in 2023 um, highlighting our new shovel tips. Uh, these are short videos on a variety of topics. It could be um, training exercises for our economic gateway admin content management system. It could be uh, learning how to grow your LinkedIn followers. So these are going to be on a variety of topics to hopefully make your life a lot easier. Golden Shovel social media accounts. Facebook, like us at Shovel Toss. Twitter, follow us at Gold Shovel. LinkedIn, follow us at Golden Shovel. And please subscribe to our YouTube channel at Golden Shovel Agency. Thanks again for joining us on Shovel Talk, and we're going to be back very soon with our latest guest.